Welcome to a Kessler Foundation Spinal Cord Injury Grand Rounds podcast featuring Jane Mitchell, RN, Spinal Cord Injury and Ventilator Program Coordinator, and Cynthia Mead, Clinical Equipment Coordinator, both from Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, West Orange, New Jersey. Ms. Mitchell and Mead presented The Caregiver Corner, A Stepping Stone to Home, a program to support caregivers that has recently begun to be implemented at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. This presentation was recorded by Nikki Miller, social media specialist at Kessler Foundation, and produced and edited by Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation, on Thursday, October 11, 2018, at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation Conference Center, West Orange, New Jersey. This was hosted by the Northern New Jersey Spinal Cord Injury System, which is supported by a grant from the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. Nidler grant number 90SI5026. Nidler is a center within the Administration for Community Living, Department of Health and Human Services. For more information about Kessler Foundation and our researchers, go to KesslerFoundation.org. It's nice to talk to you today about something that's really near and dear to Cindy, Cindy's heart, my heart. Um, we did a presentation, I'm going to say at least seven years ago, six years ago, when ASKIP came together uh, back in Dallas, actually. And um, we had talked about what happens to caregivers. And as a case manager, I can tell you that uh, caregivers are often the last person that we all think about. We're so focused on the patient. We're so focused on what happens to the patient, what their needs are clinically. Uh, do they have equipment? Do they have home care? And there's the caregiver that's somewhat left on the side. Um, so we came up with um, thoughts about how we would address that. And that was the genesis for putting together the Caregiver Corner, which we started this program late July. Um, so. This is the origin of that. So a few objectives, we don't have to look at those. So we all know about these statistics and they're very sobering. But what's most sobering for me and Cindy is that bullet point towards the bottom that says 50% of patients receive direct care from family members for an average of 18 hours a week. How is that possible? 18 hours a week out of the day, a caregiver is spending time with an individual, a family member, friend at home. And out of that 50%, 40% of these individuals rely on only one family member. So that family member is home with the patient taking care of them at home. That, that's a sobering statistic to us. So as a case manager, I can tell you, shrinking dollars of home care services are amazing. Shrinking, shrinking, and almost somewhat invisible now. Um, and families are now the substitution for lack of these skilled services at home. There's still non-skilled services that you'll see at home with Medicaid programs, but what's to happen with Medicare patients? What's to happen with commercially insured patients? Not so much. There's not a whole lot out there. The yearly costs, we all know about those uh, costs. 
and that's another sobering you know statistic a million dollars expenditure in the first year uh, on a individual with a C1 C4 a, AISB uh, a B or C um, so and it adds up over time so there's insurance, somewhat support, there's some private pay, um, but it really involves always going back to the caregiver and what to do about this caregiver. Because if a caregiver is at home, they're trying to rearrange their work schedule, there could be children. How do we get them to piano lessons, to soccer practice? art lessons, whatever their interest is. So how are we going to manage all that? So if that caregiver is taken away from their jobs, the dollars that come into the home are shrinking. In addition, so many people want to get a family leave, but oftentimes, you know, many of these leaves are unpaid leaves. So that's another financial stress you know, on the family. Um, and as I said, limited, limited insurance coverage is immense uh, because there just isn't any insurance coverage for home care. Or at least at the, you may have services going home and then it evaporates or disappears two or three months down the line where a patient is then designated as being custodial. So all of these stressors have an impact on the physical health of the caregiver, high blood pressure, impaired immune system, at risk for cardiovascular disease, and there's a higher mortality rate for individuals that are caregivers at home than non-caregivers at the same age. Lack of sleep, poor eating, limited time for exercise. What's exercise? I barely know what exercise is too. Leisure activity, so it has a negative impact on physical health, on mental health. Uh, so if these consequences persist, the health and wellness of the SEI person and the caregiver will be adversely impacted. So I mentioned psychological health. So frustration starts to build isolation, guilt, you know, and resentment towards this family member that you're taking care of at home. Um, they become exhausted. There's lack of sleep. They're forgetting. What did I learn about doing an IC? I'm trying to remember, oh, what was that? What am I supposed to do now? So even though they had numerous sessions for education to understand how to take care of the individual at home, this exhaustion is just so overwhelming that they may forget. So it could evolve into an unsafe environment for a patient or caregiver. So look at these tasks. It's mind-boggling. You, know, mind you have all the daily needs of the individual, bowel, bladder care, respiratory, dressing, bathing, exercising and stretching, meal preparation. And then you have on the other side, the tasks in the household, cooking, cleaning, taking children to their activities, uh, care of other family members, pets, the dog needs to go for a walk. You know, maybe the dog has been waiting for food for a day because they were just forgotten about. Uh, and their own self-care. So all of these tasks kind of come to rain down on this caregiver at home. 
So Bluesy and his group in 2014 did a study, and I found this really to be very interesting. And I quoted it, many older caregivers, so we're seeing spinal cord injuries start to rise. So some of these older spouses are tied to the home by their caregiving duties and feel isolated. And the values of supporting these older caregivers are very well known. So in rural areas with long distances and decline in essential services, so even if there was a home care benefit through their insurance, maybe they don't have staff from that agency because it's a not densely populated area like around here in West Orange. So what is a caregiver to really do? So that's why these online or internet-based services can provide an opportunity for rural caregivers to participate in caregiving support regardless of their geographical distances and without this need for physical presence at a caregiver support group meeting. So as I said, the population of seniors grow. Our nation's populations of family caregiver growing, and it's leaving more and more Americans to be vulnerable to this issue of caregiver stress. This year, more than 35 million Americans will provide unpaid care to a family member or friend over the age of 50 because we're seeing a rise in spinal cord injury in the older population. So that number is expected to exceed by 40 million in just a few years. So it's amazing that the numbers keep growing, but the services are declining. But caregivers are a workforce. So Pot and his group in 2018 said, you know, maybe we need to look at this as an infrastructure, you know, and maybe this infrastructure needs to be consistently and continually evaluated for improvement. And this capacity of the workforce needs to be strengthened. We shouldn't ignore this. Uh, families and communities need this support. And the care and the support provided needs to be person-centered and integrated uh, and underpinned by minimum standards and accreditation. So his group is looking at this as an infrastructure and that maybe accreditation needs to happen for this group of caregivers that are unpaid at home. So I'm gonna leave you with this very serene slide. I wish I was on that beach right now. And I'm gonna transition over to my colleague, Cindy Need. So as Jane was saying, um, Caregiver Corner is something that evolved. And we uh, have worked the past few years uh, putting it together and out of uh, the need that we have found not only with our patients, but being out there in the community. So the Caregiver Corner that we started approximately back in July, it's a bi-monthly group. The meetings take place in a very informal manner on the second floor uh, day room and the spinal cord floor. And it's pretty much designed to be a very conversational interaction. We're providing information, but we're also providing a forum where the person is able to express uh, their level of, of worries, of statements, of concern, 
uh, so that they don't feel that they're alone. Some of them, for the first time, are meeting other family members in the facility, um, not knowing that they were also a, a caregiver of a spinal cord injured person. So as Jane was saying, the health of all people is rampant. We, everyone is looking at this error. We're looking at our own health and well-being. But this is even more so needed for the caregiver. So sleep, nutrition, and exercise, these are all areas that we all as persons need uh, for a healthy mind and body because with all these sleep, nutrition, exercise that helps with our cognition, our decision making, it helps to reduce any stress and getting along with others and also avoiding any injuries. Besides that, making the right food choices, and now we're needing to make food choices, for the caregiver needing to make food choices within a budget plan. So we address these types of questions as well, because as Jane had pointed out, income has, has shrunken. So besides the food and sleep and nutrition, besides getting this information, we also express the need that it's important just to do some simple cardio exercises, some stretching, just some general conditioning exercises. How, how am I gonna exercise? Well, I'm doing all these multiple tasks through the day. So here's where we're also sharing information about uh, online yoga videos, some apps, free apps that can be downloaded on a smartphone going over some breathing and meditation. So we are providing them this information, and we're providing them the information where they can go to get some of these uh, resources. Mindfulness is a big word now in the health and well-being of all people. And what is that? Sometimes I question if I have what my mindfulness is some days at work. But um, mindfulness is the ability to attend to our physical and emotional stressors on a conscious level. Okay, so mindfulness can be uh, addressed in various types of strategies and how that person is being taught how to be aware of their physical and emotional stressors is very strategic to that person. Everyone is different. And this can be done through their therapeutic intervention as they're going through therapy. How am, I, how am I going to get through this pain? How am I going to get through this concern that I'm having, but also for the caregiver? So there's various ways that we as people, but the caregiver and the, and the patient themselves can develop their skill and technique in um, improving their mindfulness. So we already know here at CalSO we do an education program. And the education for the caregiver is given out through demonstration, hands-on. We're, we're providing the caregiver and the patient information. And we're saying, here, this is how you do the transfer. Here, you got to do this. Remember, you got to turn the person. You, don't forget, you got to do this. So all these things are coming. You, 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 you got to do, you got to do. So for that caregiver, in a way, the way that we give that information, we need to be more aware of, of being compassionate to what we're asking them to do or re letting them know what they need to do. There needs to be an understanding, readiness for them to learn, but also our readiness, when are we ready to provide it to them. And it should come along on a very comprehensive, ongoing way of feedback. And by 
us as a staff providing this to the caregiver is we are also empowering them that we hear you, we see you, but we're being compassionate, but we're also providing you the information. Besides being told you have to do this, you should do that, and don't forget to check this, but by providing the caregiver with their own means of what they need to do for themselves is very empowering. And if anyone has ever been a caregiver to a family member or a friend for a short period of time or a long period of time, you truly do feel like you're shrinking and you're becoming invisible. I, I can attest to that. Okay, and also we're given the family members education and team conference, meetings with the psychologist, meetings with case management, we're, and we all are giving them information on resources and community support, so we're giving them all this information. But keeping in mind the level of compassion and the way of feedback is, is key. And we all are doing that on a daily basis uh, through our patients. Um, through, through our years, we have come up with what we call a discharge summary questionnaire. And this is um, being compiled and where the case managers are going to be addressing this checklist with the family uh, member because it's going to remind them, did you remember, did you go through uh, the event settings or do you, are you comfortable in doing that compilation? Are you comfortable with the, with the lifts and so forth? So the questionnaire is also a check and balance and it's another layer of how um, we can be sure the caregiver is feeling comfortable because part of the reason for the caregiver corner is also to help uh, the caregiver to realize that they can do it. They can bring that family member home and with resources, with support, with information, they, they can do it. And just knowing that there's phone calls, there's people out there, there's a pool of other caregivers who are taking care of this spinal cord person. Being a caregiver to a spinal cord uh, person is, has its own unique needs than being a caregiver to someone who may have dementia or, or a TBI or a stroke. And yes, caregivers take, do a lot of work and there's a lot of pressure on them, but the care for a spinal cord person is, has, is different or has different um, angles than maybe someone with dementia or a stroke or a TBI. So the effectiveness of how a spinal cord person has provided the instruction to the caregiver can be very beneficial to both. So what that means is that the different um, type of, um, the way that the spinal cord person is also providing education to their family member about how to do their weight shifts, how to turn, and other areas of need is very key, and this has become important enough that there is a joint research project out there by several um, rehabilitation facilities amongst the spinal cord patient population to develop, and a, an assessment tool has been developed and being worked on where this tool is measuring the ability of the spinal cord person to be able to provide the information, but also seeing what the appropriateness is, how the caregiver is appropriately taking care of that. So again, it's one more reminder of how we are seeing that across the nation that other facilities are seeing the importance of the caregiver and their, their health to be able to provide the right um, care to that person. Some of the frequently asked questions we get in, uh, in the caregiver corners, you can read them, but you can see 
90% of it, 80 to 90% of it is centered around themselves. Like, what services will help take care of me? You know, what if I can't do and I don't feel comfortable doing that bowel program or changing the diaper? What do I do? So a lot of these questions are about themselves, and they're feeling in a comfortable situation where they can feel they can ask that amongst other caregivers who are probably facing the same thing. Now, perhaps it's not something that the therapist is going to hear, like, well, what if I don't want to do this and everything? That's perhaps also me treating in the spinal cord gym for 28 years. I have seen a change in how the questions are coming to me versus the questions when I was handling patients in the gym. So a lot of these questions are very personal for themselves. Um, so that I find a difference. Also questions like, how can I take family leave and what type of respite care so that I can take a break? So we're seeing that. Now what Jane and I do is that we will answer the questions and we will provide them the information. And then we always, always follow it up with, check with your primary therapist, your case manager, your physician. So we're not asking them to listen to us, but we're just providing that that um, realm of comfort for them to feel comfortable in asking, and we'll address their questions. Um, so from this, what we did is we um, compiled and we made a what we call a caregiver resource guide. And in that guide, there's just we have various information. It's a folder. We have little information in there. It's resources in the community that are public, private, religious. There's outreach support groups. There's all sorts of information. We even have in the resource guide a list of, these are just a few things that we have in there. So on one side, just some information about the health and uh, well-being of the mind and some websites and some techniques. And then on the other side, nutrition just some websites that they can go to, choice, um, choosemyplate.com.gov, excuse me, is a nice website because it's for any person to go on and it takes you in different tangents where someone who may have a child that they need to take care of, but also how to take care of themselves. So it's very vast, how to eat on a budget. It has a, an enormous amount of information. And then you can see down the rack. This is just a small sampling. We also remind patients that you can do your grocery shopping online. For instance, like ShopRite or Stop and Shop, they have Peapod. And other grocery stores, they also have their own delivery service. You know, some people choose to go HelloFresh or any of those Blue Apron or those type because getting out sometimes is driving to get to the grocery store. So we remind them of these type of community services that can be helpful. Um, and, in, and we already kind of talked about this a bit. Um, the care, in the caregiver package, the checklist that the nurse and the case manager will review the checklist. So that is a part of the, the caregiver package. So the caregiver package is, is a Kessler green bag and in it is a resource guide and any um, items that we may need to put in there about um, nursing supplies. So the person, so the caregiver has their own package for them because the patient is going to have all what their needs are. In the package, we'll have um, a medication tracker, a daily schedule tracker. So being very organized is 
I always have told patients and their family members, being organized is, gonna, is one step how you're going to be able to handle your day. Um, and just like other ideas of just the nutrition guide, transportation information. So just pretty much the caregiver corner is like kind of like a support group, but it's an education support group. We're getting people together to meet other people. Um, we have gotten some very good uh, responses so far. So it's really to provide that unpaid caregiver the sense of comfort, well-being, and just sharing of information. And the benefit of us getting together, we're in a very, we're in a quiet space. It's just us, and it's really anybody. If um, a family member can't be there, and if the therapist or case manager or nurse lets us know, we'll be happy to leave a resource uh, guide with the family member. A uh, couple times we've had uh, the patient themselves join uh, the group just to go through some of the information as well. And I just would like to say this on the last slide. Um, I, Rosalind Carter, she is known to be a very big uh, caregiver advocate. And this statement that she says speaks volumes to me. And I think um, I'm going to read it. I know you can. I know from personal experience and from the hundreds of caregivers I have encountered before, during and since my years at the White House, that caregiving for those who have been thrust into the role can be an extremely lonely, stressful, and frustrating responsibility. Caregivers give so much of themselves and sometimes receive very little in return. And I think that speaks a lot because the word thrust really is saying the person didn't expect to now be taking care of a family member. They're stepping up to the plate and they will do so. And by us empowering that caregiver and telling them, yes, you can, we're right here, here's the information, here's other people who are going through this, this is a support system. Uh, we have gotten a lot of feedback that we're going to start bringing it out into the outpatient um, population. We're working on the timing of it all, when is the best time for outpatients to meet. But um, I think one good uh, response that both Jane and I got, that one of the family members who was in the group, she made two or three meetings uh, after she was discharged home with her loved one, she took the time to sit down and write a thank you note and mail it. I got one and Jane got one. I cried when I read that because she could not thank us enough for, for letting us know how comfortable she feels, how she knows where to go, the support and everything. So I think that was really, that just speaks volumes to me and we just got started this and we're, I just feel we're just scratching the surface. So with that being the last slide and our references, um, and I just wanna say thank you. Okay. Thank you. For more information about Kessler Foundation and its researchers, go to KesslerFoundation.org. That is K-E-S-S-L-E-R-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter.